0: We're located in the Market and Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Suite C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Are you mindful of the things of God or the things of men? So we'll look at it in three, three parts. Revealed purpose of the Messiah in verse 31, the rejection by Peter in verse 32, and rebuked by Jesus in verse 33. Now, most of us are very familiar with this piece of scripture, as we've always heard. Get behind me, Satan! You may have said that to somebody at some point. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's it's very important. You know, this is a piece of scripture that that deals with a lot. And and so, what I wanted to do is break it up in two parts. So actually, we look at Verses 31 through 33, but when we get into the rest of the book of Mark, that's the rest of the conversation that's going to happen. And so uh, when we last left off, we left off the last week of November, and we were in the book of Mark, and we asked that important question in Mark chapter 8, verse 29 through 30, and he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you are the Christ, and he strictly charged them to tell no one about him. Now the reason why he strictly charged them but say nothing to anyone is because that's not going to be given until the triumphal entry. The triumphal entry is when he comes in and it's, it's in prophecy. Uh, we went over this in Daniel. He came in on the exact day that he was supposed to come in on. It was prophesied. And in Zechariah nine nine it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a of a donkey. So that's the triumphal entry. Jesus is coming in, not on a horse, not on a war horse, but on a donkey. Uh, of humility, coming in in peace. And, and these, you know, what's funny is because Peter says you are the Christ. And those people will be crying out during the triumphal entry they'll be crying out in Matthew 21.9 and they'll say and crowds went, to him, uh, went before him and that followed him shouting Hosanna to the son of David blessed is he who has come in the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest that crowd will be crying out save now that's what Hosanna means son of David and yet five days later they'll be crying out crucify him crucify him crucify him it goes to show you that people will say they know Jesus, but do they really know Jesus? Do they really believe He's the Christ? Because that's what we're going to see here in these scriptures today. There's two viewpoints that are happening with Peter and the disciples. You know, we have to remember they've been with Jesus now for, for over th- close to three years now at this point. And, and when Jesus made them disciples back in Mark chapter 3, verse 14, he said so that they might be with him. They might be with him. So for three years, they have seen him and seen the work that he does, and they've participated in it, but now he's going to teach them. So his public ministry is coming to a close, and now he's teaching the disciples. And his eyes towards Jerusalem, towards the cross. It's a pivotal moment in the book of Mark. And so as we look at this first verse in verse 31, he reveals the purpose of the Messiah. And he began to teach them uh, that the Son of Man uh, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes being killed after three days rise again. That's a fundamental thing for Christians to be able to understand that Jesus Christ suffered. That, that Jesus Christ was rejected and killed, but was resurrected. And, and that's what Jesus is teaching them. And, and the reason he's teaching them at this point is because they're ready to receive it. They've been with him long enough. But yet, even though they're ready to receive it, their perception still wrong of Jesus. They're looking for a political leader. And so He's teaching them what's going to happen about future events during Passion Week to fulfill the plan to go to the cross. And He's not teaching them in parables. He's going to teach them plainly so they understand. There's no parables here. And so they, they, they're ready to receive it and He, he begins to teach them. And, and Jesus spoke... Um, In Matthew chapter uh, 16, verse 21, he said, From the time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. So he's telling them, I have to go to Jerusalem. And there's a reason I have to go. I'm going to have to suffer. And so their, their, their view of Jesus at this point, again, is they're looking not for a suffering king, they're looking for a conquering king and and so their their view of jesus is skewed and we have to ask ourselves the same question or when when jesus asks you that question who do you say that i am what is your view of jesus you have to be able to answer that question as a christian and if you if you can't answer it how are you going to share the gospel with somebody jesus had to suffer jesus had to be rejected Jesus had to be killed on the cross for the sins of this world and was resurrected. You have to be able to share that with people. This is a fundamental verse in the Bible. And this is coming from Jesus Christ. And he's going to tell them more times. This is not the only time. There'll be several times that he's going to go over this with them about the cross to make sure they understand it. But one of the things that I know is that when we have a view of Jesus it, that's skewed, we have a different view of Jesus where we think he's, well, he's a great teacher. He's a great prophet or he was a good person, right? He's, he's not the son of man. He's not the son of God. You know, he's a, we have all these different views. And uh, one of the things that I was listening to is, is the Babylon Bee, which did a horrific job of sharing the gospel. Whoever those guys are, that somebody needs to take them to a master class of sharing the gospel. They did a bad job. They had a chance to interview Elon Musk. And Elon Musk said that he believed in the teachings of Jesus. But he is not a follower of Jesus. He believes in the God of Spinoza. What is the God of Spinoza? The God of Spinoza is what Einstein believed in. It's a philosopher that actually came up and made his own false god. The God of Spinoza actually believes that God is not concerned Himself with the fates and action of human beings. Does that sound like our God? No, because I can show you in Scripture that that's false. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 and 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Does that sound like a God that doesn't care about you? the babylon Bee didn't push back they just said well if you want to accept jesus just didn't go over repentance didn't go i mean it was bad it was handled bad but the thing is then is, you go well elon musk is one of the smartest guys in the world right he's a billionaire let me tell you something every one of us have a conscience and every one of us have eternity put on our heart. It doesn't matter how rich they are, it doesn't matter what type of celebrity they are, it doesn't matter how smart they are. You can speak to them about the gospel because the gospel will hit them right in the heart, because their heart is crying out for it, for eternity. And so understanding who Jesus is is very simple. I mean, they could have given them First John chapter four, verses nine and 10. In this love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we may live through Him in this love, not that we have loved God, but that He had loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He took our sin, our guilt, our debt on the cross. That's all they had to tell Elon. And in order for you to be in heaven, the God of Spinoza is not going to save you. Jesus Christ is. He's the only way. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, yeah. verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, He has put eternity in the hearts. In the hearts. In the hearts of everyone. And each one of us have a conscience. In Romans chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing... Witness. Your conscience bears witness. That's why you know what's right and wrong. God put that on you. Every one of us. We know when we're doing something that's not right. That's why it's important for us to be able to answer the question, who do you say that I am? Because to to Elon Musk, he was just a good teacher. That was it. He likes some of his teachings. And that's the problem. Is people have a different view of Jesus Christ. And so you as believers. You as followers of Christ. Need to know who Christ is. And why Christ came. And, And that's why it's so important. It says that he must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders. The chief priests and the scribes. And Jesus begins to teach us. That he will start to suffer. And. You know, when people start to suffer, that's when people start to struggle with their faith. Remember John the Baptist? He was in prison. What was he doing? Who are you, Jesus? Are you the one? That's what happens to us when we start to get pressed. We start to, we start to question who God is. Or we start to fall away. We need to understand who Christ is. Christ suffered, so guess what? You get to suffer. Do you know what the best theology is of learning who Christ is? Suffering. You'll learn more about your relationship with Christ through suffering. And everybody's like, no, I don't want to do that. That's the problem. You, you, this life is not going to allow you not to go through that. There's always going to be death. There's always going to be somebody that passes away. Where does your faith lie? You know, in, 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 our, in our suffering, we draw what I love is what Jesus does is He draws John to the Old Testament. He draws John to the Word of God. So when we're going through suffering, we should be drawn to God's word, drawn to our relationship in prayer and prayer and drawn to fellowship. Don't suffer alone. So we do go through biblical, worldly suffering. It happens. In 1 Peter, uh, chapter four, verses twelve through sixteen, talks about suffering. And it's funny, the person who suffered, Peter, is the one who wrote about this. The person who was struggling, and fell, right, when Jesus was taken away, and he and he denies Christ. It's Peter who writes about suffering in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12-16. through It says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though something strange had happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So in your suffering... You need to look at it now. We need to make sure we understand this here. Because sometimes you put yourself through suffering. If you're in sin or you're doing something you're not supposed to do, that's, that's not suffering from, from Christ's suffering. That's suffering because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You put yourself in that situation. And you need to repent. But when you're going through struggles, like in ministry, ministry, that's why we are supposed to serve. That's what marriage is. Marriage is, is two people coming together. And, and it can be a struggle at times. And you have to, there are trials that happen. Bills that got to be paid. Jobs that are lost. Things that happen that are out of your control. And God is saying, come to me. Pray with me. Talk to me. Let me give you the word to, to strengthen you. In Christ's suffering, I'm with you. And you can find joy in that. Uh, we we sat and watched the uh, uh, this weekend. Uh, the there was uh, this past Wednesday when w- we wanted to be there, but we, we were we had prayer night here, and they did a night of remembrance at, at Grace because they they lost two people um, within a year, and uh, our worship our, not our worship, but our children's ministry leader and our assistant children's ministry leader all within a year and I listened to Rick share so eloquently and so encouraging this man lost his wife and yet he takes the word of God and he's encouraging the body of Christ and he's been through so much and he's talking about The perfume that his wife used to wear. And I was like, man. But yet, he goes to the Word of God and then he encourages the body to keep following, keep staying on the course. And we're going to go through suffering. It's, this is part of life but what are you going to do with it are you going to are you going to be you know be glad and exceeding joy i know that's hard to do i know that's hard to do in the middle of it Um, but i've watched that family the gamboa family be an example of christ i've watched jeff and his family be an example of christ sharon showing up on Sunday and still serving and with the same joy and it's like that's all the Lord that's you know who's being glorified in that God 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 is being glorified in that I watched that with Brandon when Louie and them passed away when Louie passed I watched that family just just the love of Christ just pour out of them As that family was hurt, but the people that were there were hurt. And they were encouraging them and loving on them. The family that lost the loved one. So it's important for us to understand, like, God is, the suffering that Christ went through, we have to go through suffering too. It says in verse 14, if you are reproached in the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of the glory and the God rest upon you. On that part he is blasphemed, but, but on your part he is glorified. But let no one of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evil doer, or as busybody and off, uh, in other people's manners. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him be glorified. Let him glorify God in this matter, and that's what we should do. We should glorify God. And same thing with Sandy Adams. Sandy Adams spoke to his church on Sunday, and he said, I got nothing left in the tank. He was honest about it. He goes, "I, I had to call somebody in to come teach. I have nothing left in the tank. But then he glorified God and gave Scripture and then prayed over the congregation. Again, you know, we need to remember that it's part of, part of our, our walks. And we learn so much from it. It says, And, and man, uh, man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priest, and the chief priest and the scribes. And so all three groups are going to reject Christ. And that's important because it's not just the elders, it's the chief priests and the scribes. And as we move towards the cross, they're going to challenge them as we get into Scripture. There'll be challenge after challenge after challenge. They just won't stop. They're not seeing who Christ is. They're not embracing that He is the deity, that He is is the Christ. They believe that He's a good man. They believe that, that He's a wise man. They believe that maybe He's a prophet, but they will not acknowledge His deity. They reject Him. They reject Jesus. In First Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by man, but chosen by God and precious. We know that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, and he was rejected by the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes. And, you know, understand this. This is the disciples that are hearing this. And everything is probably going through their head. But the moment that they hear that Jesus must be killed now, they're like, wait, what? What did you say? Their head's probably spinning. We, we've been following you for three years. And not only they're, the, the religious leaders, the ones who know the Bible supposedly are rejecting you and then they're going to kill you. They forgot that in John 3.16, very very important part of that verse is, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. God gives up His Son. Jesus is the sole means of salvation. Uh, there is no other way to be reconciled with God but through Jesus Christ. And they weren't expecting a death. They were expecting jesus to be the king of jerusalem to take over the roman empire and to and to to lead them and lead the world is what they were expecting and then it says and after three days rise again and so he talks to them about being risen again and one of the things that he he's He shares with them later on in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 and and 40. He says, But he answered and said to them, An evil, adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so the Son uh, Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he's speaking plainly to them. This is what's going to happen. And this is fundamental for a Christian. And now we get the rejection from Peter. And, and Peter, in and, and verse 32, it says, And And one thing we need to understand is in the middle of this conversation, Satan is lurking. So understand that. So Satan is in this conversation with the disciples. And it's very important for you to understand that too because... You know, Satan probably has nothing to do with none of us. He's got bigger fish to fry, but he has demons. And, and we know that if we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11-13, it says, "...put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of the darkness." Uh, of this age against the spiritual host of wickedness and, and, and heavenly places, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And so Satan is trying to influence the response of Peter. And And remember that verse that we gave you about the sower when the sower went out? And, and, and in Luke chapter 8, verse 5, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as, as he sowed, some fell on the wayside and it was trampled and the birds of the air devoured it. Remember who we told you the birds were? That's the demons. That's Satan coming to take the word. As soon as Peter hears it, Satan comes to take it. John ten ten says, The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, I have come that they may have life, that they may have it more abundantly. So when Jesus approaches this, Jesus is approaching this and speaking plainly, speaking openly. In verse 32 it says, He spoke this word openly. So they would understand. So they would understand. And then Peter took Him aside and began to rebuke Him. And Jesus Speaks openly, and you have to understand when Peter takes him aside, that's someone literally grabbing somebody and turning them. He puts his hands on Jesus and turns him to rebuke him. That's what it means in the Greek. And, and sadly, he's going to forcibly take him aside and talk to him, and his pride is going to come out. Because Peter thinks he knows what's better for Christ than Christ does. And how many of us have that same thought pattern? That we think we know what's better for us than Christ does. That's prideful. But this is the view that Peter has. Peter has two views that are going on. He didn't want to fall under Christ's authority because he wanted... Peter wanted somebody to take care of his world right now. I want you to fix what's happened to me now. This ain't happening. I'm not down with all that. I think I know what's better, Christ. That's what He's telling him. Many of us have hardly had that conversation and you forget that who you're talking to, that you're talking to the Alpha and Omega, the Lion and the Lamb, the Bread, the Light, the Way, the Truth, the Shepherd, the Door, the Head of the Church, the Word, the Chief Cornerstone, the Judge, the King of Kings the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Christ of God, and you're going to forcibly turn Him around and tell Him, I'm not doing this. Who are you following then? You see, what we're? who do you say that I am? You just told me I am the Christ. But you're not following me. If He's my Savior, He's my Savior. That's why... Jesus specifically speaks this in Luke chapter four, uh, 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not, and, and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? You esteem yourself higher than Christ. That's why. I know what's better for me. Then why are you following? I remember telling a, a men's. At a men's retreat, if you don't believe in this, get in your car and go home. I, I was dead serious because you're wasting your time. If you don't want to follow who Christ is, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's He's got my my life is in His hands at this point. I I did that back in 2009. Lord, whatever I have, whatever time I got left, is Yours. You need to be able to, you know, again, what keeps us from doing that? You have an elevated opinion about yourself. You got a rebellious heart. You think you know what's better for you than Christ does. It reminds me of of Abraham and Lot. Abraham wanted the things that God was wanting to do. Remember when they're fighting, all the herdsmen were fighting each other, Abraham and Lot's people, because there wasn't enough space. And Abraham tells him in Genesis chapter 13, verses 9 and 10, Is it not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I'll go right. If you go to the right, then I'll go left. And then what does Lot do? See, Abraham is wanting to do what God wants to do. And what does Lot do? Lot lifted his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan that was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah, And Lot, and like the garden of the Lord, like the uh, land of Egypt as to go towards Zorah, Abraham chose the things that God wanted and Lot chose the things that looked good that he thought would be better for him. He chose the world. And eventually Lot ends up in Sodom and Gomorrah at the gates, working in Sodom and Gomorrah. With his family. And, and, and so what happens is he took his eyes. And, and pridefully wanted to do those things. And, and what does Satan do? Satan goes hey Lot go ahead look here. Well look over here. And he gets him closer and closer and closer to the sin. Until he's in the city of sin. And it cost him his wife. His wife died. Because she turns around. He told him not to turn around. She turns around and the tragedy that happens with his daughters. All because that man did not want to do what God wanted him to do. He should have said, you know what, Abraham, I'm, I'm the same as you. Whatever you want to do, left or right. But instead, he looked out and he saw what was good, pridefully took it. And he moved himself closer and closer to Sodom and Gomorrah until he was there. And so this is the view that Peter has because he is pridefully thinking that he knows what's better for him than Christ does. And remember, he's speaking for the disciples. He's speaking for the disciples. The second view is Peter thought that Jesus would be a political conquering king. So when he rebukes him, he began to rebuke him Peter thinks that, hey, wait a minute. You're supposed to take over the world. Now whose world is that going to impact? Peter's. And how long is it going to impact Peter? Until he dies. He didn't care about what happened for the other people. For us. He only cared about what affected him. And that's also the disciples as well. Because they wanted a political leader. They wanted somebody to overthrow Rome. And that's what they were looking for. And, and Satan uses that influence. And, and that little door that opens up, and he influences Peter's response to rebuke Christ. He created in his mind, and he challenged Jesus. Because he had a different view and belief than Jesus, and that Satan goes, hey... You should rebuke Jesus. Because <laughs> he's not right. Does, does Satan want Jesus to go to the cross? No. Do you not think he would be in the middle of this conversation? This is a turning point for Jesus. He's telling them what's going to happen. In Matthew 16, 22, it says... Uh, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, this gives us a little bit more context of the Scripture, because in Matthew it says, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. <laughs> you just said he was the Christ, and now you're going to prevent something happening to the Christ. And one thing we do need to talk about, can a, can a believer be demon-possessed? No. If you've accepted Christ into your heart, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and sealed with the Holy Spirit. You cannot be demon-possessed. But you can be influenced by demons. Okay? That's very important. You can be influenced by by demons and you can become a stumbling block for a lot of people. That's what Peter had become right here, a stumbling block. Remember, we have the Holy Spirit. And when, when we look at this life that, uh, that we have, we have the Holy Spirit that resides in us. And, and so we can overcome and resist those temptations and these spiritual challenges because we have the Spirit of God that resides in us. We need to be connected to that power. That's what we have been talking about, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's something so important that you need to be connected in that power. We need to rely on His power, not ours. Peter's relying on himself. Peter didn't want to embrace the cross. He didn't. I don't want you to die. I'm not going to let it happen. Now we see the rebuke of, of Peter. We're going to see the rebuke by Jesus. And Jesus is going to respond in verse 33. And He says, But He had turned around, and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, "Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men." Jesus now forcefully turns Peter around and begins to rebuke Peter. Now, Satan was lurking in this conversation the old the whole time and it was and this is why Jesus has to stop and correct Peter at this time. Because He's not just going to stop and correct Peter. He's turning him back around to the disciples. And He's letting them know too. And as we get into our conversation next week, we'll find out more as Jesus is going to... Hey, let me explain this to y'all. How this is going to work. But he, He turns him around to rebuke him. But we need to remember that He's not calling Peter Satan. Peter's actions and attitude... He was an adversary of Christ right now. Did y'all get that? Make sure y'all understand that. Peter is an adversary of Christ because he's doing what? He's going against what God is wanting for his son. He's being being disobedient. Being disobedient. And Jesus deals with Satan throughout his life. and, and, And right at the beginning of ministry, when we started the book of Mark in Mark chapter 1, verses 12... In 13 it says immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness and he was there in the wilderness 40 days and tempted by Satan and it was the wild beast and the angels ministered to him. Jesus had to deal with Satan from the very beginning. He has to deal with Peter. Peter's an adversary at this point. Remember James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We have to submit to God and and recognize our weakness and stop fighting and surrender to Him. You have no power over sin. Okay? None of us do. The Holy Spirit does. Jesus does. That's why we have to be connected to the power of the Holy Spirit. We have no power over these things. That's why people fall into temptation. Is they get away from God's word. They get away from prayer. They don't have fellowship. And the next thing you know. They start watching things they're not supposed to watch. They start going back to the bar again. Going back to their old life. And then when things get really bad. They, they're like well how did this happen? Why am I suffering through this? Well, it was your choices that brought you there. That's why the the Holy Spirit. When this is the joy of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will let you know, hey, you shouldn't do this. It's on your heart, on your head. Ah, uh-uh, you shouldn't watch that. Turn it off. Put the phone down. Walk away. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to be obedient to it. Peter wasn't obedient to to uh, to what what Jesus was saying. Remember, he's not filled with the Holy Spirit yet. You have it. So there's no excuse for you. As a believer. Even if you fall, the Holy Spirit will tell you, hey, you need to repent. That was wrong. I shouldn't have talked to that person that way. I need to ask for forgiveness. I had to apologize to our neighbor. My daughter decided that she needed to to let people know what happened when they hit her car. There were just two kids playing soccer ball and it hit her car. And then they laughed at her as she asked them not to d- kick the ball near her car. And I think that's why she got upset. Well, the dad came out and lost his mind. Michael had to go out there. I w- I w- I, you know, A couple weeks passed. Yesterday, uh, Friday, I, I, was, I went out and talked to the grandfather. I just told them, I said, hey, I want to apologize for my daughter. I talked to her, and, you know, I, they're, they're just kids. They're playing. I got five. I have five kids. I understand. Um, I just want to let you all know we were sorry. Uh, we didn't mean to, to step on y'all's toes or to make y'all feel uncomfortable in the neighborhood. I didn't want to do that. The Holy Spirit had been telling me, Mike, you need to, you need to go talk to them and, and just move things over. They're not believers. What a great example, right? And they had a death a few years ago. Um, And so it's like at the end of the day, if I'm going to be able to try to communicate with them, I I can't do it through division. It has to be through love and grace and mercy. And, And so at the end of the day, we need to, when the Holy Spirit puts it on your heart to do something, you need to do it. If it's to go talk to somebody about the gospel, you need to do it. If it's to go apologize to somebody because you, th- you know you hurt them. You know you said something you shouldn't have said. You went a little too far. You crossed the line. You need to hey I'm sorry. I just want to let you know I'm sorry. But you need to repent too. See, sometimes what we do is we try to deal with these relationships first when we need to deal with this first. You get that? You try to make, like, I'll, I'll do, like I can't apologize to my wife if I haven't asked God for forgiveness. You see what I'm saying? So it's important. You've got to get right first with God, and then you deal with the other stuff. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And he tells them, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And that's where our title comes from. He's telling Peter, you're, you're not thinking of things godly. You're not thinking of getting things godly. You're thinking of the world, just like Lot did. You're, you're thinking of, Hey, we're going to rule the world with Jesus. We're going to overthrow the Roman Empire with Jesus. That's what he was thinking. That's what Lot was thinking. Oh, that land looks really good. I'm going to take that land. Next thing you know, he's in sin in Sodom. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a reminder to us that we, you know, we have to, to seek Christ first. And so he is the Christ. And so what should be on your mind? You should be acknowledging Christ. Remember, our salvation is a salvation from Jesus Christ. They were looking for a political salvation. Do you get that? That's what Peter was looking for, a political salvation. He wasn't looking to salvation for eternity. He was looking for a political salvation. And that's a worldview. That's a worldview. That's not from God. And that's what many Christians want today. They have a worldview of Jesus Christ. I just want my world in the United States perfect. That's what we want. That's what we're crying out for. You realize that more people come to know faith through suffering? More people in the 60s, that's why we had the Jesus movement, it was because of suffering. So we need to remember that. Ephesians 6.6 6 says this. This is important for us. Not with the eye service as man pleasers, but as bond servants in Christ doing the will of God from our heart. You know, the things that we do, we do because we're, we're bond servants. We're, uh, we're, we belong to Christ. We've given our hearts to Christ. We're, we're His. And so we, wanna, we don't want to please men. We want to please God. And P- Peter was pleasing men with his response, and Satan used it. It would have pleased the disciples to hear what Peter had to say. And I know this is for us. One of the things I want to remind us is, is all of us have probably had probably had a Peter moment <laughs> where we questioned God, right? Or we try to rebuke somebody, and it's us that needs to be rebuked. We've had, we've had those moments as, as Peter. And, and one of the things that we know in a church, what do we like to do? Shoot the wounded. When somebody falls into sin, what do we do? They like to shoot the wounded. And instead of showing grace and love and mercy, right? extending that to them, The church likes to push them out. And so, this is a very important thing for us to remember. Jesus brings them back into the fold. He rebukes them. He's truthful with them. Right? Hey, the thing you're doing is sin. We can pray. I'll meet with you. I'll do whatever I can do to help you out. You know? Now sometimes people are going to always—they just go back to their thing, and that's that's. But as a church, we we need to show grace. Because there are going to be people that struggle, just like Peter. That are going to fall, just like Peter. Peter, this is the second time he's made a mistake. This is the first one. We'll catch the second one in the end of the book. And that's that's, that's a reminder to us that every one of us. Are going to make mistakes too. We're going to fall. And, and what I would pray as a church is we don't try to shoot the wounded, but try to help them. Okay? Remember, I always tell you there's enough grace for the journey, but that means you have to extend grace to the journey for other people. That's what Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, it says, as Brethren, if, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of Gentleness. Gentleness. Right? Considering yourself lest you also be tempted. It's easy for you to go, I told you that person was going to mess up. I knew it. What are you doing? You're just as much in sin and being tempted just as much as that person has fallen into sin. It's almost like you're happy to see them fall. And that's not what the church is about. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're to bear each other's burdens, to love each other. That's why Jesus said, and very important in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, and second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. If they're, if they're hurting, be there for them. If they, need, if they need to repent of something, be there for them. If they're in suffering and they're like, man, I just, I just need to share this because I don't know what else to do, listen and be there for them and then pray with them. Point them back to Christ. The thing with counseling, anyone, don't point them to yourself. Point them to Christ. You can't help them. You point them to Christ. Too often we... You point them to Christ. Peter, you know, in these verses, one of the things I love is we all have been a Peter in our life. We've had that moment where we go, ooh, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> right? But don't you love that you have somebody, a strong brother or a sister in Christ that says, hey, that was a little too much. You need, you need, to, you need, to, you need to ask for forgiveness. You know, that was wrong. I think you stepped on their toes. They're, they're showing grace and truth to you. Now you can be upset and walk away and go, oh, "I'm not going to do anything." That's fine. That's fine. But I'm going to I'm going to be honest with you. If I think that you're doing something that's wrong, I'm going to tell you, "Hey, you need to repent of that, and you need to ask ask for forgiveness." But I would expect you to tell me the same thing, because I can be a Peter too. <laughs> we all can. Okay. We can, all, we can all be like the Apostle Peter and, and make those mistakes. But my, the main thing that I hope that y'all get from this Scripture today, and, and this conversation is going to continue, because he's going to turn Peter around, rebuke Peter, tell them to get their mind on things of God, and take their mind off this world. And then he's going to further the conversation next week as he tells them it's time for you to pick up your cross. And carry it. And and it comes back to how are we going to live our lives as as Christians? Are you going to actually follow Jesus? Do you believe He's the Christ? Do you believe who He says that He is? Do you believe that He suffered on the cross? Do you believe that He was rejected by the chief priests, the scribes and the elders? Do you believe that He was killed? Do you believe that He killed was not just killed but died on the cross for our sins? for the sins of this world, that you can have forgiveness of your sins and, and ask Christ into your heart and repent of your sins and believe that He resurrected and go to heaven? Or are you going to be like Elon Musk? He's a great teacher. I like to follow some of his teachings, but I'm not following him. That's what happens. A lot of people have different views of Jesus and you need to have a biblical view of who Jesus Christ is let's pray father God we thank you so much for today we thank you for this time and your word we thank you for uh, those that are watching online and those that are here we ask Lord for application I pray father God that you would just empower us with the Holy Spirit uh, help us this week to, to live this life and and be an example and glorify you Lord Uh, not only in Divine, but in Italian and Lydal and throughout the county. And uh, we pray for this city. We pray for those that are lost. We pray that uh, that you would save many. And we pray, Lord, if there's anybody suffering today, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would bring peace in their life, that you would draw them closer to you. And uh, we just ask, Lord, that you would just be with them um, and that they would know they're not alone. Uh, Father God, we thank you so much for everything that you're doing, uh, not only through uh, these wonderful people that are here and those that are watching online, but we thank you so much just for all that you're doing in this church. We ask these things in Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.